Hey guys, welcome to my podcast, A Woman with a Story. I am the host, Kanika Eleanor of KanikaEleanor.com. I'm an author, a blogger, a mother, a wife, and a woman with a story, encouraging you to embrace your story and find beauty in the journey. Hey guys, welcome to day 111 of the quarantine, if if you're still quarantining, because I know some of us have broken free and we are just running wild out here. Um, and also it's July, I know, right? Exactly, it's absolutely just bananas out here in these streets. <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to hop on here and chat with you guys about um, just everything that's been going on, what June looked like for me, um, and just to share my heart and hopefully encourage you guys as we are riding this wave of the coronavirus and all that it is um, taking over. So I hope that you guys are healthy. I pray that you are taking time to check in with people that you love and um, check in with yourself. I hope that you have had the opportunity to rest, um, drink your water and eat some good fruit and, and just really find pockets of peace in, in this time that we are walking through together as um, and as a nation, individually, whatever our situations look like, I just, I pray that, you know, you are doing the best that you can do with what we're being given. Um, June was a very emotionally taxing month. Um, and I think a lot of us will shake our head in agreement and say, yes, it was, um, I, I, just knew that I would be able to pop in here and do a podcast of just, I don't know, speaking my truth and and how I felt and how I was handling everything. But it was so hard to to do that. It was hard to to write. Um, it was hard to be on social media. Um, it was hard to dialogue, have conversations with people without just feeling complete exasperation. Um, and so it was, it was hard. And if you're a creative, it's, it's hard to be in those, those spaces and those moments because you feel like creating is the one thing that kind of brings you some life. And when you aren't in that space and you just emotionally can't be in that space it makes it harder to just be who you are and be um present and and fully yourself so it was hard so I I didn't make an episode um it, it would not have done and the more that I thought about it I was like what do you have to say honestly that can you know (laughs) speak something to make us feel anything other than what we all are feeling in this moment and I I, I didn't have an answer that that made me feel moved enough to just add my voice to 
everything else that was already um, just happening. And so I think we all took the pause and um, we did the blackout and we muted some voices. We amplified some other voices and um, got some stuff done, made some donations, um, called some attorney generals and wrote some letters and signed petitions. And so it's really... Um, we are walking through a modern day civil rights movement and I think that it's such a precious moment but also a very taxing thing emotionally um, to continue to have conversations about racism and um, dismantling that system as well as um, speaking to our friends and um, co-workers who are of different racial backgrounds um, who may not have learned until a month ago the things that black people um, have to deal with and how these cars are stacked against us and working towards being an ally, understanding what an ally even means, what does that look like. Um, so it's just been a lot of learning for everyone, um, most mostly everyone, because some of us are out here just not. <laughs> At this point, I believe that, you know, that people, you either want to know, you want to make a change, and you want to make a difference, and, or you just do not. You don't care, and um, you, you have no interest in seeing a world where we all are um, thriving together. So a friend of mine reached out and she wanted to do, she's a photographer, and she wanted to do something similar to Humans of New York, where she amplified um, melanated voices surrounding their experiences with racism, if they even had experiences with racism um, in, in all of its facets. And I decided to share my story regarding being a mother and experiencing um, racism from the standpoint of my sons um, having some type of interaction with it. There was this question circulating um, throughout the month of June about at what point do black boys who are super cute and, you know, cuddly and whatever, um, go from being this super cute being to being a threat? Um, what age does that transition happen from people seeing black boys as children to seeing them as something scary and intimidating and it's something that I often think about and a large part of the story that I shared with her because I've had to have the talk of about racism already um, I think in a lot of conversations that were floating around um, like Twitter and Instagram a lot of moms black moms were saying that they have already, by the time their kids got to kindergarten, have had the talk about racism, not out of 
um, wanting to <laughs> um, get the ball rolling on tough conversations, but because a situation happened and they were kind of forced into talking about what it is and how it impacts us as a people. So in my discussion with her, um, I talked about my son was when he was in second grade he um, had a situation with this little girl where they were on the playground, they were playing, and, and this is, they have been friends since kindergarten. They had never had any issues before this moment, um, but they were playing on the playground, and he said that all of a sudden she stopped playing, and she went off to, like, the corner or to sit by herself and she looks sad now this is a seven-year-old explaining a story and my son is very tender-hearted so if he picks up on people being feeling you know sad or upset or any type of emotion other than happy <laughs> um he's going to be very concerned and he he wants to console and so he went and asked her if she was okay and if anything had happened what happened um, if she needed any help and she attacked him essentially she kicked him um, and punched him in some private places which angered me just to have him have to explain that to me and she ran to tell the teacher that she felt threatened by him and she felt the need to defend herself before he even had a chance to get to the teacher and say that he was hurt or that she had hit him and hurt him. Um, and the teacher's solution, not even to hear both sides of the story or to have a deeper discussion about, you know, keeping our hands to ourselves, maybe, um, was to just punish both of them. And I had a problem with that. One, I, I would like to know if my child is being hit and kicked and punched at any moment um, during the school day. And I don't think that's too much to ask as a parent, especially if we are entrusting our children into the hands of essentially strangers um, for eight hours of, out of the day. Um, but to not get a note or an email or a phone call about the incident, um, that it would just become a thing that happened at school on the playground. Um, I was very, very angry about that situation. Furthermore, if my son had not come home and shared with me that situation that happened to him creating a space in our home where they do feel comfortable to share stuff with me and also um he wasn't sharing because he wanted me to retaliate he wasn't sharing because he wanted to get the girl in trouble or he wanted me to call the principal that was not in his his intention his intention was to share with me what happened to him because his feelings were hurt. And that hurt 
me even more because there there is no ill intent in the hearts of our babies and for for people to not see that it just really enrages can enrage a parent you know when you are looking at this precious little innocent face um come to you with this very big deal of something that happened only because that's my friend why would my friend do something like that to me so um of course we we talked about that we had to talk about um just friendships in general um and i had to elevate the entire thing to the principal um i had to ensure that one not only did this girl suffer the consequences of an assault because that's what it is um but also I had to have a very frank dialogue with the principal about the optics of this entire situation. Um, Yes, they're seven. Sure, it's on a playground. Kids will be kids. We like to throw that around. But when we are um, looking at this as a lens of my black son being attacked by a young white girl, if they were, if if it were even reversed, my, my black son attacking a young white girl, you already know, um, it, it would be, there would have been letters, there would have been phone calls, he would have been called to the principal's office, there's no doubt, and that's what I told the principal, um, which he, he didn't, he didn't say, no, that's not true. He he understood where I was coming from. And I had to tell him that I don't get the luxury, if you will, of someone hearing my son say that, you know, someone um, that he feels threatened by someone and it become no news of the day. It would be a big deal um if it if the worlds were reversed um and that's just the reality of it and if they were 18 if they were adults and he did to her what she did to him just on a racial standpoint we've already seen the videos that have circulated like you know it's it's not gonna be you know a okay, you guys get along, or, you know, she didn't mean, he didn't mean anything by it, that it it would not be the case, and so it, I had to share that with him, and it, I think it really opened up his eyes to, yes, this is elementary school, but you also have to take into consideration that some of us as parents, we're having some very tough conversations with our children um and that we don't not that we don't want to have right now we know we need to have them we know we will eventually have to have them but we don't want to do that right now and so what the situation reflects to my son I was explaining to him is that 
if it were not handled the way that it needed to be handled with a consequence for putting your hands on someone in the manner that she did, then he would think that it's okay for um, a girl to put her hands on me um, in the manner that she did and not suffer a consequence. However, knowing that as a boy, I, I, I better not, you know, I wouldn't dare, wouldn't even think about doing the same thing to her. Um, and there is already in elementary school this um, separation of just boy and girl. He recognizes that the girls will do sneaky stuff and will create chaos and stir the pot, but they won't get in trouble. But if a boy does anything not even relevant or relatable to what the girls are doing, that they automatically get in trouble. And I explained that as well to the principal that there's already this perception in his mind that the girls can get away with anything, but the boys continue to suffer consequences um, for the very same thing. So it was one of those moments that I, a hill I was definitely willing to die on because not only are you not going to let my son think that girls can continue to just do little stuff in the classroom, but you also aren't going to teach him that girls can and then attack people and also not be held accountable because we all have to be held accountable for the things that we do um, to one another. That's something that we teach at home. That's an expectation that I have for them when they are out in this world um, to treat people kind, kindly and to um, be respectful. And they expect other people to give them that same respect and kindness. So my mom sent me a book. It's called Breathe, A Letter to My Sons by Imani Perry. Um, and she, this is actually a book that I had on my wish list. Um, she didn't even know that it was on my little wish list, but I was super excited to read it. And I just wanted to read a part to you guys that really um, spoke to me. And it speaks to this very uh, situation that black mothers face, especially raising sons in this world. But it can also apply to um, raising black daughters in this world as well. And according to the um, just a synopsis of what the book is about, it says that it explores the terror, grace, and beauty of coming of age as a black person in a contemporary America and what it means to parent our children in a persistently unjust world. So this is in chapter one. It's entitled Fear, and on page eight, it reads, No matter how just so I have tried and often failed to make things, I have known from the very first day of your lives that I cannot guarantee your safety. 
That is the thing that the voyeurs want to drink in. That is why they make me so mad, really. Because the truth is, it is frightening. But the fear is not the heart of the thing. The fear is what comes because your preciousness collides with the ways of the world. And then there's this battle against it that all of us are forced to wage. Because as Wole Soinka said, let us simply observe that the assault on human dignity is one of the prime goals of the visitation of fear, a prelude to the domination of the mind and the triumph of power. So like many others, I try to unravel the fear and confront the rest. And that is really um, sums up, I guess, black motherhood in a nutshell that we are um, constantly in a state of teaching. We're constantly in a state of being afraid, but also trying to find um, that balance and walking in peace and knowing that God is is with us at all times, that he is covering us, that the Holy Spirit is going before us and just paving the way for us to just walk boldly into whatever God has laid out for us, that he has called us for such a time as this, that he has called our children, our sons, and our daughters for such a time as this, that we are not... Um, an accident in this moment in time that God knew exactly what he was doing when he birthed us into this modern day civil rights movement to be a voice for the voiceless, to speak truth, to speak power, um, to walk in our strength, to expel our strength, to share our joy, to beam our light. He knew and we're here, our babies are here, and for that there is a reckoning happening in this world on um, through our through our movement, through the thing that we're shaking, the ground that we're moving and paving and covering, um, the change that we are being able to make in different cities and all around the world, um, and there there are babies like our babies are witnessing these moments. They're witnessing how we are stepping up and handling these tough moments. They're witnessing us be their voice for them when they can articulate. And um, God is strengthening us and really giving us grace as we give ourselves grace because we, we have to do that with ourselves as well. Um, as we parent and just navigate life and what we are being called to do in and through this earth. And so um, I pray that this really encouraged you guys. I pray that if you are, you know, at home and you're, you're at home with your kids all day, every day, because you are still dedicated to this quarantine. <laughs> um, I pray that you, you see the beauty in and the call of motherhood and that you see your um, the influence that you have. And even if you are 
desiring children and you are able to be auntie and uncle and god mommy and godfather to um someone else's kids that you you still recognize the influence and impact that you have on their life and how you are also called into the lives of these younger generation um, to be magnetic and powerful and how they move and identify who they are um, and who God has called and created them to be. So I love you guys. Um, this is my birthday month, so I am very excited about <laughs> being in July. It absolutely looks totally different from what I ever could have imagined last July. But nonetheless, I'm thankful to have my health. I'm thankful um, for safety. And I'm just counting down, thankful for another trip around the sun. So um, I pray you guys stay safe. Um, wear your mask. Wash your hands. Um and just think about other people around you who may not show any symptoms, but could impact your health in a major way. Be smart out there. Get your peace. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Bye.